Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Step Outside podcast. I'm your host, Christy Keel Blackman. Today, we have a PhD student with us. Her name is Christina Watkins, and she's working with Dr. Neelam Kudyal. Welcome, Christina. Hey, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here and taking the time to call in to another Zoom call. We are still working from home at the University of Tennessee. So Christina and I are meeting via Zoom once again. So please forgive us if our audio quality isn't perfect. Christina, can we start off with you just kind of outlining your dissertation research and tell us what you're studying? Yeah, so I work with Dr. Anilam Pudyal in our department, and uh, I study human dimensions of wildlife, which is kind of any sort of wildlife management that has to do with human interactions, which, you know, is a big chunk of wildlife management. So I do a lot of survey research and asking people about their opinions about different wildlife management techniques and different attitudes and things that people may have about wildlife in general or management or even recreation issues as well. So then that sort of broad spectrum of human dimensions um, studies, my dissertation dealt with sort of dealt um, surrounding this elk reintroduction project here in East Tennessee that started about 20 years ago and 2000. They brought in about 200 elk from this elk reserve in Canada over a couple years in the early 2000s. And that was brought into this area called the North Cumberland Wildlife Management Area, which is just about an hour or so north of us here in Knoxville. I think it's in like Anderson and there's a couple different counties. Um, it's a little bit northwest uh, of us here in Knoxville. And uh, so they brought these elk in about 20 years ago. And, you know, the population has evolved a bit. They're growing. And because the elk can move around, they are starting to get off public land and getting onto private property, causing some issues with the people who live around on that, like sort of the, the borders and the outskirts of this public land area. So my dissertation research kind of dealt with some of those issues with the elk now that, you know, they're growing and moving around a lot. The study itself had a lot of different questions about, you know, damage and risks and all these things that these elk are sort of uh, imposing on the people who live around um, that area. But my dissertation had to deal a lot with how people who live in that area, how they trust the agency, Tennessee Wildlife Resource Agency or TWRA, how much trust they have in that agency and how that trust affects their willingness to cooperate or go along with management, alternatives, man- management objectives, and and support this reintroduction now that it's 20 years later and they're getting used to elk on the landscape and dealing with some of those issues. My first chapter of the dissertation deals with a structural equation model that lets you look at psychosocial constructs like risk perceptions and trust and how those kind of interplay with each other to affect support for this reintroduction. And then my other study had to do with sort of the economic impact of this relationship between these different ideas. And then my third chapter of the dissertation kind of took a step back and looked at wildlife reintroductions around the world because reintroducing wildlife is this sort of new science that's only been around for about 20 years or so. And, you know, it's in response to this sort of global losses in biodiversity that we have around the world where, um, you know, habitat loss and fragmentation, all these other things are causing species numbers to go down. So this reintroduction sort of um, come about in that process to try to correct that. And a lot of the research so far in wildlife reintroduction stuff has been in, you know, the biology of animal behavior and habitats and all that sort of stuff. 
But this part of my dissertation is arguing that you can't discount the social human dimension side of wildlife reintroductions and that you need Mm -hmm. to do more research in that. So that's kind of a broad overview of the dissertation. Yeah, that's awesome. What I thought was really fascinating about your research is that it's so interdisciplinary. So you're a forestry student. So this obviously includes forestry, but it also includes wildlife management and human psychology. Did you, when you were starting off as a forestry student, were you forestry undergrad? No, um, I went to the University of Virginia and I studied environmental science. And I've always been sort of an interdisciplinary kind of person. I've never really okay. like had a one-track <laughs> mind in that sort of way. But I was interested in sort of environmental policy and how that interplays with wildlife, biology, mm-hmm. and conservation. And then so when I met up with Dr. Pujal, we like meshed right away. It's like exactly what I wanted to study, the human and policy implications of wildlife and conservation management issues. That's great. I love seeing different disciplines work together. I think that's fascinating. Tell us a little bit about how looking into the perceptions of people right now, how do they perceive the management of the elk and the management by TWRA? Yeah. Well, first of all, Dr. Muller is doing a fantastic study right now on actually figuring out what the situation with the elk is in the area, how many there are, what the population is. And I'm sure if you talk to some of the other grad students, you'll learn all about that side of the study, which is really interesting in its own. So we were dealing with sort of how are people perceiving that? And that doesn't necessarily always mesh with what's actually happening. So if you are a landowner and you hear about something that happened, like 20 elk were on someone's property, even if you've never seen elk on your property, you might be very concerned about that. And whether or not that's a real risk for you doesn't exactly matter as much as the perception of those risks. But luckily, when it came to... The study, the elk problem as damage and getting onto private property and thing is sort of localized to not that many people. It was surprising. We sent a survey out to 5,000 residents who lived in the five counties right around where the elk have been reintroduced. And, you know, a good chunk of them weren't even totally aware that there were elk. Wow. Um, Okay. It's not the most publicized. And, you know, the state of Tennessee doesn't even know that much either. I saw a WBIR article a few months ago that said that, you know, everybody knows about the elk that are in the Smoky Mountains, that sort of area. Mm -hmm. And the article said that, oh, that's the only place you can see elk in this whole area. And I actually commented like, no, hey, there's elk in Tennessee too. Like, you don't have to go to North Carolina. We have elk here. It's kind of not well known. So the people who are dealing with that problem is a very small minority. So Mm -hmm. overall, our study found with this 5,000 survey that we sent out, there's, you know, fairly low risk perceptions. People are, were most concerned about um, hitting an elk with your car, which mm-hmm. um, is not like hitting an, a deer. The elk are a lot oh, bigger. So right. Um, <laughs> yeah, that would know, be very, terrifying. Yeah. So that was, you know, the biggest concern for the majority of residents, but those who live closer to the, where the elk kind of have been hanging out, there was more concern about property damage and um, damage to crops of crop predation and things like that. But overall risks were fairly low in the area. And then trust was, you know, moderate to high as well. So people, you know, are fairly trusting of the agency, which was pretty nice to see. In our study, we sort of broke trust down into two different subcomponents, where you have trust that we defined as sort of this interpersonal trust, where you trust the wildlife managers and professionals that are actually on the ground, and you trust them and trust that they have the same goals as you and things like that. 
And then there was this more general confidence in their management capabilities. So is the agency good at effectively managing issues that are going to come up with elk and different things like that? And we found that there was more confidence than there was interpersonal trust. But, you know, slightly different. There are still people were like moderate to trusting of the agency in both regards, but there was overall more confidence in the management capability of the agency over that sort of interpersonal trust. And that has to do with um, things like, you know, if you know one person who had a bad incident with the game warden, that travels around and then, you, right. you know, the game, like a lot of the times people's interaction with TWRA officials is when they're getting a ticket for something, like right. not having a nursing <laughs> license on them. So, you know, that's pretty common around the U.S. that there's a little bit lower of <laughs> that interpersonal trust, but people are fairly uh, confident in the agency. In our study, we found that these risk perceptions people do have towards elk do negatively impact support for this conservation of these reintroduced species. But if you have strong trust and confidence in the agency, that can kind of counteract those risk perceptions. So the more trust and confidence you can build in with people who live around a wildlife reintroduction site, you're more likely to get people on board and in support of that. Do other parts of the country have better levels of confidence and trust or are we doing pretty good? Yeah, I think usually the sort of study is done in relation to something like this is done in relation to a wildlife reintroduction. Other studies, mm -hmm. a lot in the trust and natural resources world have dealt with chronic wasting disease and trust in relation mm -hmm. to that. And so a lot of studies have shown that people who trust in the managing agency of whatever state has chronic wasting disease, they trust the agency and we're willing to believe in information that they put out and more willing to cooperate with management objectives, try to curb that. And they're more likely to stay hunting and things like that. Okay. In terms of like general trust, you know, I'm going to some conferences. I talked to somebody from I think some Midwestern state that said that people have had lower levels of trust in their area. Mm -hmm. But I think it comes up when something happens. And uh, I think it's been shown that a negative experience lasts longer in your memory than a positive right. encounter. And it'd be interesting because this study was done. We collected the data in 2018. And, you know, the chronic wasting disease has now hit Tennessee. So I'd be curious to see if that has affected trust now that some sort of really negative sort of thing has happened. I wonder if, if trust would be affected by that now. That's a good question. I would be interested <laughs> to see that as well. Yeah. In the cases where people don't have high levels of trust and confidence in the management strategies and the agencies that are managing, what are ways that they can work to build trust with the public? That's a great question. When there's sort of low levels of trust, I think uh, transparency and communication helps a lot. You see that a lot in the literature that sort of having management plans that the public can comment on and see and and then following up on those plans. It's, it's one thing to have a management plan. And the, there's a, the Elk Strategic Management Plan is on TWRA's website. So you can go and look at that. Okay. And there, there is sort of a plan up there for managing what to do if there's a nuisance elk on your property. So what do you 
you do if there's one elk that's just coming on your property all the time, eating your crops, knocking over your fences? There's a process in place. TWA can come over, they can assess the situation, they can help you out in various ways. But one thing we found in our study was that that sort of confidence that we talked about is really dependent on buildup of previous experiences. So people need to see that they're following up with this plan that it's happening in in real life. Just because there's a plan out there doesn't mean that, you know, there's if you call this agency that they're going to send someone over. So the more that there's follow through and consistency, that can really help to build trust. And it, you don't have to really broadcast these sort of things because the word does travel by mouth. And if, if you have a neighbor that you know, had a good experience, that's li- likely to travel around as well. Right. Okay. So in some cases, an agency might have to work harder. And in some cases, if there's, you know, good word of mouth going around, they might not have to try so hard to communicate everything. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. I think in like the southeastern U.S., especially, there's sort of a not wanting government on your property at all. So there's mm-hmm. sort of, and then whenever we do send out surveys, we do get a lot of um, interesting comments that are you know, okay, yeah, not anything sure. relevant to the study, but just kind of <laughs> have something to say. Sure. So but then, you know, people will say these things, but then in a survey, they'll say that they, they are generally confident and they have trust in agencies. You know, I think well, that's people good. are willing to trust. <laughs> that's yeah. good to hear. I, whenever I was looking over your research, I wasn't sure which way it was going to go. Because, you know, you always hear horror stories about public perceptions of any number of programs yeah. that you could think of. So that was really encouraging to hear that people are generally okay with what's happening. And I think I read also the public is interested in future generations being able to see the elk. Yeah. So. Yeah, definitely. We're lucky with this um, elk reintroduction that, you know, elk are what they call a charismatic megafauna and that right. they are really pretty, really big. People want to go see them. And, you know, they are a big forest draw, which, you know, has more implications for the residents who live in that area. I think some right. of the survey comments we saw that people were saying that people were driving onto their private property to go look at the elk because they, you know, they'll gather in fields and things. And mm-hmm. so that could have its own negative consequences. But, you know, I think people are generally, you know, more excited to see an elk in their backyard than they are to see maybe like a deer, a rabbit oh, or yeah. things like that. You know, an elk is really kind of cool to look at. Right. You Definitely know. charismatic. Yeah. <laughs> How will the framework that you've been using to complete your research and your dissertation how can this be used moving forward, maybe for other agencies or other states? That's sort of one of the chapters of my dissertation. I really, I took that next step. I built sort of this framework so that agencies can look at different things whenever they want to do a reintroduction. Like I said, we get kind of lucky with elk because they're nice and pretty and people like to look at them. But, you know, there's lots of like conservation reliant species that need that sort of reintroduction and need intensive management to survive and, you know, that are endangered and things like that. And they're maybe not the prettiest They're salamanders or slugs. How do you get public support for things like that? And that's part of things that we're looking at. But I think if, um, you know, the study study found that there there are risks, but if you build that trust with people who live within a reintroduction site and you have that open communication and you get them involved in the process, they are more likely to be in support of these mm-hmm. projects. And then a lot of it depends on the species that you're trying to reintroduce. I'm okay. sure the, the biggest um, controversy around reintroductions has to do with large carnivore reintroductions, like wolves, right. especially mm-hmm. like Yellowstone out there in the West. 
those can get a lot of backlash. So it's really important to have trust and a management plan in place. You know, I think out west, if a wolf takes some of your cattle, there's something in plan for how to sort of either mitigate that in the future or have some sort of plan to help out people whose you know livelihoods might be in danger because of this reintroduction. This is really interesting research. And again, I love the combination of natural resources and psychology. I think that's really fascinating. So we really enjoyed having you here. And are there any parting words or parting thoughts you would like to leave us with? Try to be a proponent for getting human dimensions and social science out there when it comes to natural resource management. I know it's it's super important to know about wildlife habitats and behaviors and all these different things that really help with conservation management. But, you know, we live in this world that is just so dominated by humans on the landscape. Everything you touch, even if you're in the middle of a national park, Mm -hmm. you know, the fact that it's a park, then there's no development on there was because of human intervention, right? So everything in the everywhere you touch in the world has some way, shape, or form a human intervention to it. There's no way to really do effective conservation or wildlife management without figuring out the human dimensions of Mm -hmm. any project. Great point. Really important that people take that seriously and do research in human dimensions. Fantastic. I love it. Christina, thank you again for joining us. This has been awesome to learn about your research and program that's going on right here in Tennessee. So I I really enjoyed hearing about that. And I hope our listeners do as well. And uh, go check out the Hatfield Knob Tower, which is in the North Cumberland Wildlife Management Area. And that's where you can go to see the elk and they rut in the fall. Awesome. I'll have to put that on my list. Hatfield (laughs) Knob Tower. Yeah. Okay. Great. Everybody Google that. Go make a trip. It'll be worth it to see these charismatic megafauna. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. Thanks everyone for joining in and we thank Christina for her time. Please join us for the next episode of the Step Outside podcast when we visit with another one of our fantastic grad students. For more real life solutions provided by the UT Institute of Agriculture, go to our website at ag.tennessee.edu.